Blog Talk Radio. Time with Pastor Steph. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Rise and shine. You're on with the due time with Pastor Steph. How are you this morning? That's what I like to hear. That's what I like to hear. For this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. So. Where were you yesterday? Ah, yesterday was, wow, Wednesday. And we started off with our girlfriend, Vivian, and her socially conscious segment. And Vivian told us about the Rikers Island investigation that turned up a secret lounge. Yes. This lounge was stocked with leather pouches, stolen equipment, I mean, air conditioners and all kinds of things that the inmates could actually been using. But the staff was hiding the items. Now, they don't know, you know, if any of the things were taken off of the premises or anything like that, but they were hiding and denying the inmates the use of these things. We we don't understand what is going on over there on Rikers Island. Uh, The New York City mayor is still pushing this issue with limiting the shelter for the asylum seekers with the migrants with children are down to 60 days before they must find something, something, someplace to live. And the single people will be able to stay in the shelters for 30 days before they will have to find another place to live, and this is supposed to slow down the overcrowding. And we heard about the uh, Delaware man who kidnapped the 11-year-old 
after he met her on Roblox. Now, for what we were given yesterday, there are 54 excuse me, million users which are under the age, no, 54 million users and half of those are under the age of 13. And we're still trying to figure out how are the two mixing? How is this where, you know, the people who are using this Roblox, not children, you know, how are you getting access to these children, you know? And, you know, I, I thought about yesterday, these children are actually leaving their homes. Some of these children are leaving their homes to meet these people. So there's some conversation that's going on a little too often, a little too long, that they're getting comfortable with these people. So we've got to really figure out how we're going to stop this this level of madness because this is just a little too much with these people. Well, the main topic yesterday morning was ways to respect yourself. And, you know, this was a really interesting and on-time conversation because, you know, we've had some stories and conversation yesterday regarding this very issue, you know, with some of the stuff Vivian was talking about. And one of the things that came up as, as a way to show respect for yourself was acknowledging that you are fearfully and wonderfully made and being thankful for your body by not hating or abusing it. And, you know, how we treat our body is really big. And, you know, when we think about things like that, we think about, you know, the blatant, you know, getting high or drinking or promiscuity, but there are so many other ways we can hate and abuse our bodies, such as the way we dress, you know, how we attract people to our bodies, you know, when we don't eat properly, you know, we don't take care of ourselves, we don't take you know, care of ourselves to the degree of having to use medication or when we don't take care of our bodies and we have to end up using medication and we don't use the medication. And that's abuse right there. Yeah. That's not, you know, something that, you know, we really need to do if we're going to call ourselves taking care of our body and respecting ourselves. Well, one of the other ways we talked about respecting ourselves was being thankful for the gifts and talents that God has given us and being good stewards over, you know, these gifts and talents. So, you know, there's so many ways that we can really show 
respect for ourselves. And those are only just two ways. Just that quickly. You could come up with two easy ways, and I'm sure, you know, if you took the time to think, you could come up with a whole lot of ways that you can respect your body. Because there are a lot of ways. So, you know, we're going to continue this conversation because there are way too many um, things that we can do to show respect for ourselves. And we want to make sure that this message goes across and goes across properly and thoroughly. Okay. All right. Well, today is Therapeutic Thursday. This is the day we take care of our health. Yep. The day we talk about how we take care of ourselves, whether it's mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, financially. There's so many things that we can talk about when it comes to our health. And today, mm, mm, we got two things that we're going to talk about that is, I mean, really, really important. And one of the things was brought to me last night, and it's going to be a really interesting conversation. So, you know, just get yourself together and get ready to get comfortable and get ready to join this conversation because I got to tell you, it's going to be a a good one. It's going to be a good one. It is going to be a good one. All righty? So go ahead and get that healthy breakfast. Go tell somebody that. It's the time where Pastor Steph is on, and whatever you do, make sure you go nowhere, because we will be right back. Mental health and learning disorders don't discriminate. 17 million children and adolescents in the United States live with disorders like anxiety, depression, ADHD, and dyslexia. Less than half get the help they need to thrive. Help the Child Mind Institute change these children's lives. Visit childmind.org. Good morning, good morning, and good morning again. Welcome back to It's the Time with Pastor Seth. And it is Therapeutic Thursday. Today we discuss our health. 
And today, we got some stuff to talk about for real. Alrighty? So, I advise you to get yourself together. We got some stuff to chat about. But you know how we start off our Thursday morning. We talk about a little health tips. And today, we're going to talk about some complications to diabetes. Contemplation, complications of diabetes, okay? And we know how common diabetes is and, you know, we don't talk a lot about the complications of this disease and this is one of diseases that is really high on the totem pole. Alrighty. So, want to make sure you get all the information that you can. So, let's get started. One of the complications of diabetes is autonomic neuropathy. Okay. High blood pressure damages the nerves that control your body's internal processes and your digestive, urinary, and cardiovascular systems may not work properly because of that. So you may sweat more than before or stop sweating altogether. And they say your sexual organs may be affected, making intimacy difficult. So that's autonomic neuropathy. Right now, I've never heard of that particular terminology. Those other, you know, the finer details I've heard of before, but not that. So that's what that's called. All right? Now, you have another complication called peripheral neuropathy. Now, they say that diabetes-related damage often strikes the nerves that relay signals between your brain and your body. And as a result, your hands and your feet may feel tingly or numb, and that's one of the things that the doctors constantly ask about. You know, do you have any, you know, numbness in your fingers? Do you have any numbness in your feet? And they say that you may have severe pain at the slightest touch or feel unexplained sensations of touch, heat, or cold. And that is peripheral neuropathy. Okay. Alrighty. Uh, let's see. What else do we have as one 
of our complications. Heart disease and stroke. Now, we've definitely heard of um, this. Remember, Luther Vandross had a major stroke because he was a severe diabetic. Yeah. So they say people with diabetes are twice as likely as those without diabetes to have heart disease or a stroke, that they are also prone to high blood pressure, cardiovascular events may occur at younger ages and are more likely to be severe or fatal in diabetics. Mm. There's definitely something that we want to watch out for, okay? We have another complication, diabetic retinopathy, okay? Um, Diabetes can damage the retina that's in your eye. That's the light-sensitive layer at the back of your eye. Your blood vessels may swell and leak fluid, severely impairing your vision. They say without treatment, abnormal new retina blood vessels form, causing more severe and sometimes permanent harm to your sight. So regular eye exams can detect retinopathy early when it's easily treatable. All righty. So make sure you get those eyes checked out. And that's another thing that your doctor will encourage you to do is to see the eye doctor. All right. Well, that's one of the reasons. Foot ulcers, another complication of diabetes. And that's another thing that your uh, doctor will encourage you to do when you have diabetes. Yep, they'll encourage you to see the foot doctor. Well, foot ulcers is, is one of the complications. Cuts, blisters, calluses and sores from ill-fitting shoes. They may seem like, you know, minor annoyances, excuse me. But if you have diabetes, nerve damage, and poor blood flow, slow healing to your feet. All right? So make sure you watch out for things on your feet. They say as a result, chronic sores, ulcers can develop and in severe cases your foot or leg may require amputation. Alright? You know, we've seen a lot of diabetics with amputations or a lot of amputees come from chronic diabetes. Alright? Hearing loss. Now, this is the first time I've heard of this one. They say sound travels to your brain through tiny nerves in your ears, 
uncontrolled blood sugar damages the small vessels that support these structures, they say. And as a result, hearing loss occurs twice as often in people with diabetes and 30% more often with people with pre-diabetes compared to people with normal blood sugar. Wow. Yeah, that's that's the first time I've heard that one. Oh, my goodness gracious. Gum disease. Another complication to diabetes. Severe gum disease. They say causes your gums to pull away from your teeth. The resulting pockets may fill with germs and pus, further harming your health and potentially requiring surgery. High blood sugar slows healing and feeds the bacteria that cause gum infections. All right. Mm. Oh, boy. Other oral problems, they say, complications from diabetes. They say diabetes dries out your mouth. Boy, I'm dealing with that right now, (laughs) y'all. Triggering soreness, infections, ulcers, and cavities. You're also at greater risk for thrush. This yeast infection causes white passes in your mouth and may spread to your esophagus making swallowing difficult or painful. You'll need treatment with antifungal medication. All right, that's another complication of diabetes. Glaucoma. We've heard of glaucoma before. Okay. Now they say this is a serious vision-stealing eye disease. And it occurs when pressure builds up in the eye. Over time, the pressure irreversibly damages your retina and optic nerve. People with diabetes are 40% more likely to develop glaucoma than people without. Your risk also increases with age. All right. So watch out for that glaucoma complication. All right. Gastroparesis. Never heard of this one before. Nerve damage can strike your stomach and intestines, slowing down or stopping your digestive process. Symptoms such as heartburn, nausea, vomiting, and bloating often follow. What's more, they say, this delay in digestion can cause your blood sugar to rise and fall sharply, taking meds or eating smaller, more frequent meals can help. Wow. Wow. Man, I'm a diabetic in several of these things I've never even heard before. Mm. Hope you're getting these notes. Kidney disease. Now, that's definitely 
one that sits at the top of the list for diabetics. Okay. So they say that each kidney contains about one million tiny filters and over a period of years, high blood sugar destroys these structures, decreasing your kidney's ability to remove toxins from your blood. Now, I've never heard of that before. Wow. Diabetes accounts for nearly half of all new cases of kidney failure. High blood pressure further increases your risk. All right. Mm. Wow. Skin complications. Diabetes can leave your skin dry, itchy, cracked, or infected. And several skin diseases occur almost exclusively in people with diabetes. One, diabetic dermopathy causes light brown scaly patches to form, usually on your legs. Another, now, acentosis, nitrogens, leaves dark brown velvety spots on your neck, armpits, or your groin. Wow. Wow. So let me just run through those complications again. We've got complications of diabetes. All right. You have autonomic neuropathy. Peripheral neuropathy, heart disease and stroke, diabetic retinopathy, foot ulcers, hearing loss, gum disease, other oral problems, glaucoma, gastroparesis, kidney disease, and skin complications. Wow. Mm. Well, listen, I hope that you took those notes, whether you have diabetes or not, because I know if you don't have diabetes, you definitely know somebody who has diabetes. We all know somebody who has diabetes. And I need to take that pause and get me something to drink. Oh, excuse me. Mm. Ooh, that dry mouth is a killer. All right, we got some stuff to talk about today. Mm. Now, I got two big things to talk to talk about today. And um so I wanna spend some time a little earlier talking about some of my smaller stories. 
But here's a big, small story. Now, New York City and Mr. Mayor, Mr. Mayor Eric Adams are in this big battle with the fire department. Yeah, Mr. Mayor Eric Adams and New York City is in a big fight with the fire department of New York. Check this out. They say that the fire department has orders that they are following because they have been going into some of these shelters for these migrants, these emergency shelters that they have put up, and they have now found violations in these migrant shelters, and because of the number of violations in the shelters, they have vacate orders. And they say it's in more than half a dozen of these migrant shelters, including a controversial former Staten Island school. And that the Adams administration is giving them a hard time. Yeah, they're giving the FDNY a hard time. And they are slowing down the process of giving them access to give the shelter system the vacate orders because they're now trying to find beds to substitute for the locations. And the FDNY is up in arms because they're saying that when they have vacate orders and it's like you or I, we can be fined, we can go to jail, and we don't have options. But yet, because it's the city, they're giving them a hard time, and they are slowing down the process, and it's making for a dangerous situation. Now, they say that they've been ramping up their inspections because these particular sites have become fiery death traps. For these asylum seekers. So it's like, okay, if we're telling you that they're death traps, why are you slowing down our order? And they are really having a hard time because they're saying it's not just in Staten Island. This is a cross 
the five boroughs. They are everywhere. Yeah. Now, I have to tell you, this here doesn't really surprise me that they have found these problems. And I'll tell you why it doesn't surprise me. Why are some of these places vacant? Yeah. All of a sudden now, you have these places that were vacant, and now all of a sudden, they're usable. Now, like, let's say the, the Catholic school that's in Staten Island. Now, we know that that could have been closed for a couple of reasons. You know, a lot of their schools have closed down, you know, as they've been hit. The Catholics, you know, have been hit with a lot of their, um, you know, fines and things like that and lawsuits for, you know, these nasty pedophiles. And they've had to eat a lot of losses because they don't have the money to keep these, you know, entities that they've been so known for open. <clears throat> so we understand why something like that could be vacant, but it still needs to go through a certain fire department coding before you occupy it. So you're talking about putting these these uh, buildings up one, two, three to automatically make them, you know, livable for the migrants and you don't have any clearance to necessarily do so. <clears throat> so they said that the FDNY inspectors are set to issue the vacate order for this former Staten Island school this Sunday. And they said that the move has been argued for quite a while because the city is delaying the closure because they're scrambling, again, they're scrambling to find where they're going to put all these people. You know, we have been saying for the longest time that they were not prepared for, this, for, for all of this influx of people, and they really didn't have a solid plan. They didn't. This every everywhere you turn. Now here's my thing. What happens? God forbid. There's this huge fire, and you don't have the proper things that you need in these buildings, or these buildings are fire codes uh, written and. This is crazy, and you don't have the proper, you know, plans. They say that the FDMY has inspected more than 200 migrant shelters or planned asylum seeker sites for possible violations back in August. Wow. Now they say 18 of them were found to be unsuitable and should have been issued vacate orders at the time. 
we're talking about we're in October, working our way into November, and this is in August. So what you going to do? What are you going to do? Lord have mercy. What are they going to say about New York if something happens and these people are in a death trap? Can you imagine the scandal behind this? And let me tell you something. Your mayor, Eric Adams, is not going to want to be the one that's behind that scandal. But let me tell you something. Being on this side of the fence, it ain't going to matter that he's been begging for help from the feds, from the White House, from Congress, from his mama. It ain't going to matter. It is not going to matter that he has been begging for assistance. It is not going to matter that he told them he could not house all these people. It's not going to matter that he's saying, all right, we're going to put these people out after 60 days or after 30 days because I'm telling you, all of this stuff is just going to make him look worse and worse and worse. Because right now, he's talking about putting our families out of the shelter in 60 days. So you know they're going to be talking about him for that. Well, God forbid something jumps off and there is a fire in one of these shelters that they had vacate orders for. It would be bad enough if there was a fire in one of these places that they had that they did have a vacate order for. Now, add to it, where we are in the month of October or going forward, and something jumps off, and they should have vacate orders from back in August, and y'all been tying up the FDNY's hands, and that, and I mean, they are angry. And can I tell you them again? His name is going to be ringing in their mouths because they're right. If I had a vacate order for my house or you had one for yours or another landlord had one for another building and we did not oblige this vacate order, we didn't do what we were supposed to do, man... They have us behind all kinds of legal issues. Yeah. Oh, boy. What a mess. What a mess. Oh, boy. So, you know, we are constantly hearing about the backlash of all of this fighting that's going on abroad and here on, you know, America's territory, land, however you want to say it. We've got our people going buck wild. Here's another one. 
they say that on an MTA bus out in Queens over this weekend, you've got this guy who's been, oh my goodness, who has now been charged with attacking a turban-wearing young man, sprouting and spewing, we don't wear that in this country. Take off that mask. And he started pummeling this 19-year-old kid. They say they, then he tried to smash the turban off his head. Now, this happened at 9 o'clock in the morning. Now, I didn't even know. I live right here in Queens. I had no idea they had this place called Little Guyana. Because can I tell you, we got a whole lot of Little Guyana um, here in Queens. I didn't even know one area was called Little Guyana. They have um, where he's now, you know, getting... uh, you know, he's charged. Now, they're looking for him because they have all his little charges lined all up. They've got, I mean, the the pictures they have, it might as well have been with the, um, what do you call it, with the, uh, with an iPhone. When I tell you this picture of this joker is so clear, Man, anybody who knows him would recognize him. You know, and they, this is not the first time that, and I think we talked about this one day last week, if not maybe even Monday, about, you know, these people who are now attacking um, all of these people now. Now, we already had, you know, some attacks quite some time ago. But we haven't really heard of many of these attacks, you know, more recently. And now, with all of the war going on, we now got this going on here. We don't need this here. We don't need this here. You know, the other day, it was a a baby and a woman. Now, it's a 19-year-old kid who's wearing a turban and a mask, talking about we don't wear this here. Since when? Since when? Go pull the turban off of, um, what you call him, Ted? What's his name? Nick Cannon. What are you talking about? Oh, my goodness. What else are we talking about really quickly before we start talking about a couple of huge stories? Uh, let's see. Mm. You know, every once in a while we keep coming across these, they call them soft on crime judges who are really not doing their job. And one of the things that annoys me, I don't know about you, but one of the things that really annoys me it, when it's a woman, I, I can't stand it. It really, it really bothers me because, you know, they already don't want us. 
they already feel that we can handle these particular um, these particular positions, and here you go, adding to the fact that we can't. So notoriously lenient. They hadn't judged, and they said that she is continually bringing violent criminals, and last week, they say she released a Venezuelan migrant without bail, allegedly stabbed a man in Times Square. They say that this uh, guy, Walter Leo, he arrived in the country just Two months ago, after he slashed his 43-year-old man with a busted beer bottle, 2.15 in the morning, in the beginning of this month, during a dispute on West 39th Street, the victim got 20 stitches in his arm. He was released. Oh, brother. He was released, they say, um, with this, um, from this, this, uh, what do you call it, this judge. And she just granted him the release. The prosecutors requested more than a $5,000 cash bail or a $7,500 bond, you know, before her. And she ended up just releasing him with nothing. How do you release somebody who they say took a broken bottle and attacked someone? Your malfunction. You really release this person? That was an option for you? So they say that, you know, uh, the cops are really upset. And they're like, we're out here arresting them, and now you're letting them back out into the streets. And this, again, is not her first time doing so. She, they say last year, he, there was a Bronx jurist uh, who ended up um, in some problem and she released another guy, this ex-con, for with an electronic monitoring system despite the fact that he had a history of violating parole. He had four gun possession convictions going all the way back to 2003. And he was arrested inside a restaurant accused of having a loaded 45 caliber pistol in his waistband last year in March. And at the arraignment, 
a Bronx DA asked for $100,000 cash bail or $300,000 bond, but she let him go. Condition report to the sheriff's office to be fitted with an ankle monitor. Instead of reporting, he fled to Puerto Rico. <laughs> oh my gosh. Mm-mm-mm. Now, he was there until he was arrested about four months later in July. He ended up being arrested in Puerto Rico. So you let him go after he had a long list of priors, and he ends up in Puerto Rico because you trusted him. Mm. Now, they say in 21, in November of 21, she refused the prosecutor's request to set bail for a mentally ill homeless man who was busted three times in just 36 hours an alleged theft and robbery spree. This 63-year-old Augustine Garcia started off by stealing a dozen cans of Coors Light beer from a Bronx bodega, and he was slapped with a desk appearance ticket. The next day, he was arrested and accused of pulling a knife on a strap hanger and stealing her backpack at a Canal Street um station in Manhattan. He had no prior arrest and released and was released by the judge despite bail demand. The next morning, he allegedly stole an iPhone from a subway rider in East Harlem and he was charged with grand larceny and trespassing. This time they asked for twenty thousand dollars cash bail or sixty thousand dollar bail bond. And she let him go with a 72-hour psych evaluation. She also released a gangbanger on electronic monitoring this year after he was busted with a loaded gun on April 19th and admitted that he used the same gun in a shootout with a rival gang member. This particular young man, 18 is an alleged member of the uphill up the hill street gang and uh she let him go he was brought before her on attempted murder reckless endangerment and gun charges with the prosecutors asking that he be held without bail at rikers island told her that she that he was also already on supervised release for a prior gun charge in Brooklyn. And she admitted that he posed a risk of flight to avoid prosecution, but she released him on electronic monitoring anyway. Hmm. Oh, my goodness gracious. This is this is her history of being this extreme lenient judge. 
And, you know, as we list, you know, all of these things this morning, these things are not things you need to release people for. See the one who went on the spree three days in a row. Two of those times, you know, it was a, it was more dangerous than the very first time that you know he got in trouble, and because he hadn't been arrested really for the first time, the other two times were easier for him to, you know get over I don't know I, I I really I really don't know oh my goodness gracious you know let's talk to let's talk to our D-time crew to see what they gotta say let's talk to our girl Tamika good morning Tamika good morning happy Thursday to you how are you today? I am well, thank you. Happy Thursday to you, too. It is a happy Thursday because that means that it's one day closer to Friday, girl. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes. Excited. I am excited. How are you? I am doing well. Thank you. <clears throat> good. That's good. All right, we got some quick news to talk about here. We've got this issue of the FDNY and the mayor's office in a you know in this entanglement over the vacate orders that need to take place in order to clear out the migrant shelters to make sure that they're safe for the residents. What do you think? They're not, they're slowing down the process because they're trying to find other places for them to go before they let the FDMY in there to vacate the place. I'm not at all surprised um, at all. We have been saying for probably since this whole thing started that we, again, have put the cart before the horse and we're expecting it to go, you know. Um, and there's so many different avenues where we need help, you know. Um, and it, it's not surprising to me that, you know, oh, we don't want them in there because, you know, how many different rules could you be violating? You know, you've got, um, you have a maximum uh, capacity. Anybody that knows anything about a building would know that, listen, you know, if you've ever gone to a building and it says maximum uh, capacity of 500, then that's all you need, you know. But you have been trying to do a quick fix. Um, You don't want them out in the street because they're protesting, so you got to put them in a building, you know. And and so if we got to load in, uh, uh, let's say, 1,500, you know, in, in a building that's less than that, then we'll do that just because we need to get them out on the street, you know, out of the street. You know, we're also talking about people who are from countries that don't have to deal with this type of weather. They, I mean, right now, they're freezing. 
this is what we're used to. You know, New York has been like this. You know, this, this time of the year, you expect this type of weather. They're from tropical climates where it's mostly warm. And so, you know, you've got to put them in a warm place. But, you know, um, you should have done it the right way. You know, and there's so many different areas that I can think of just off the top of my brain where we didn't do that right. And we're continuing not to do that right. And the sad part about that is, like you said, you know, suppose there was a fire. Suppose uh, there, um, you know, there's a, a, a big breakout or, you know, someone starts fighting and, you know, or for whatever reason they have to leave the building and vacate quickly. You know, you've seen people get trampled over because there's an emergency and now they have to get out. You know, so there's so many different types of things that we have to continue to worry about. And there's also, you know, pray because, you know, prayer changes things. Yeah, this is really, um, this is really a bad situation. This is really a bad situation. You know, you're a homeowner. I'm a homeowner. You know, they'd be locking us up. And the mayor's apartment would be, you know, standing right there to make sure it got done. But again, you know, they're sure that, you know, this is not the case because they're trying to right or wrong. This, this here, this ain't a good thing. This is definitely not a good thing. Oh, let's talk about this soft on crime judge here. You know, one of my things, like I said, is bad enough they don't want, you know, uh, they don't want us on the bench no way. They don't want us in these high-powered positions. And here we go, giving them all of the reasons why we shouldn't be up there. God forbid, again, here we're talking about a situation where something may very well jump off and you let these people go who are not petty, you know, petty crime people, Tamika. What happens and what are they going to say when these people really do something and you're the one who has set them free? Yeah, I'm listening to the incident where you said she released the gentleman and he went back to his country and called mm, Columbus. Mm, so that should have been mm, your sign that said, mm, maybe I shouldn't have done yeah. that. And then you continue to do things. It, it's one thing if you're talking about somebody who was, let's just say, uh, let me give you a for instance, you know, somebody, a female that's walking down the street that has a knife in her hand. You know, and she has it for her safety and protection. Now, we know that, you know, you really shouldn't, but on the street, the, the nature of where we live now sometimes causes you to go and do extreme. She's never been arrested. She never has any, you know, any background, any, any, any problems in her life. She just uses it for protection. Cops caught her. She has a weapon. So they got to take her in, you know, and, you know, in some instances, she has to serve time. And all she did was where, you know, have, have a weapon. She never used it. She just had it for her protection. Now you've got somebody who tells you, I did it. I can tell you who I was with. I can tell you how I was done. 
and I do it again. And you release that. You know, this is the mentality. You can clearly see I have no remorse, um, and I deliberately did it, you know, and I can tell you who I was with, you know, that type of thing. And you give them something like an ankle bracelet, you know, a a little slap on the wrist, you know. So who is it that Mm -hmm. you're afraid of? Is there somebody that, um, some gang that you have um, some way, somehow have gotten in contact with you? Uh, do you have family members that are incarcerated? What is it? What is your connection? There has to be something. You can't just tell me, oh, I felt sorry for it. No, we don't live in this day and time where, you know, you have that mm. much concern. God has compassion. You have a job to do, you know, for the nature of the people right. that live in the area, in the neighborhood. You know, you don't never, you never have any idea who the next victim will be. You know, and so for all you know, right. that next victim could be your family member. And so you have to think mm-hmm. of it that way. I don't care what gender you are, male or female. When you send somebody out who said, I did it, I don't care that I did it. I mean, I don't care who I hurt. I don't care who the next person is. And I'll do it again. Then at that point, you have to look at the nature of the situation and then administer the right, correct punishment. We on this broadcast almost on a daily basis. You ask us, what time will we get? How much time would they serve? You know, how would you deal with right, a judge? Right. And now we have an actual judge who's not doing her job. Set her down until she gets her life together, please. For the nature of everyone that will be affected, the lives that will be affected. We're talking about adults, children, family members. You have absolutely no idea whose life will be affected next. But those lives then you need to do your job and do it effectively. Absolutely, absolutely. Oh, my goodness gracious. You know, I, I'm trying to think of what's on your mind. You know, when you were leaning one time and it went wrong, that should have ended your leniency career at that place. And now you should have been the toughest judge on the bench just because you learned your lesson. I don't know. I don't know, Tamika. Hopefully she'll get it together before something really bad goes on. Uh, let's say good morning to Shantice and see what she's got to say about this craziness. Good morning, Shantice. Good morning. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? That's good. That's good. I'm all right, thanks. I'm all right. You can hear Tamika sounds really upset this morning. We don't get that much from her. Woo-wee. She's quite upset this morning over some stuff. We're talking about, you know, first this situation with the migrant shelters where the FDNY says, hey, we need vacate orders, and we should have gotten this from back in August we saw that there were, you know, hazardous situations existing, but you're dragging your feet because you're saying you're trying to find new places for these people to go. What do you think? If it was somebody else, they'd be sitting behind bars and they'd be eating a whole bunch of fries, not in New York City, they'd get a pass? Absolutely. If it was someone else, there would absolutely be fines and jail time and all of this but because now you getting them kicked out of wherever they are now 
shows that you didn't do what you were supposed to do. That's why you're interfering with them being evacuated. If it had nothing to do with you, like, oh, well, they're now in the street and that was their fault because of decisions and choices that they made, you wouldn't care. You wouldn't have interfered. But because this comes from your negligence, now there's safety precautions that are not being taken into consideration because what you should have done before you chose to bring them over here is being done now. And now they're supposed to wait to be safe so that you can do what you got to do so you don't look bad. When you can still look mm-hmm. back, because as it was said, God forbid something break out before you find a new tent for them to stay in, you're going to look worse than had they evacuated this place and been on the street. So this is just all to cover up. Absolutely. Yep, big time. Big time cover up. Big time. Ah, oh, what about this? This severely lenient, soft on crime judge we're talking about. Let these people go. No, they're going to buckle all over here. Ended up in Puerto Rico. You know, no, either no one wants to do their job or their the the wickedness is just. And people keep thinking that the Bible doesn't apply to everyday life. I just read what God said about the the judges and the people who acquit the guilty and and who don't give justice to the ones in the right and so on and so forth and how they are going to be dealt with heavily because you have been given that position to uphold the law, to hold everyone accountable who is not doing what they're supposed to be doing, to Speak for those who cannot speak for themselves, so on and so forth. And you are just turning over, what was his name? Barabbas? Barnabas? I never get his name right. Oh, Barabbas. 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 You just turning Barabbas back into the street. Like, what are we doing? This isn't someone who stole a bag of chips and be like, okay, you know what? If you don't start wasting me and the taxpayer's time and just get out of here and, and you know, and cut it out and give give that bodega owner back his two dollars for them chips you stole and ate. Like, no, this this is some serious stuff. And they're leaving they leave, I I just I, I don't remember if I was listening to something. It may have been a scripted show. But you know, a lot of these these scripted shows and stuff, they're based on things that the writers have either experienced or witnessed or heard of or something. And I think someone was up for parole. And the parole board asked them, are you likely to commit this crime again? And he said yes. Now, I don't know if he said yes because he he didn't want wow. to make parole or if he was being honest. I don't know. It sound, I wasn't watching it. I was just, like, over, like hearing it. It sounded like he he said it because it was like, I don't want them to release me for whatever the reason. So I'm gonna, I know if I say this, they're not going to release me. So that's why a lot of the people who were up for parole did not get parole because they let someone else out. And that person or those people ended up 
committing the same crime or doing something else crazy and ended up right back in jail. But the, these people, a lot of these people, not all, a lot of these people have no intentions on turning their life around. And you're just letting them go, <laughs> as Lady Tamika said, so that they can now terrorize and add trauma to someone else's life. And a lot of times these judges don't think it's going to hit close to home. That's why they don't care about doing it. So it ain't going to be my family. It's not going to be mm-hmm. me until it is you because you're not exempt. Right. Right. So, you know, this this here, uh, you know, these are two situations. You're just waiting for something to happen. You're mm-hmm. really leaving the possibility out there for something to happen, and it's going to have devastating consequences, you know, and just prayerfully, like uh, Lady Timika said, prayerfully, you know, we, we just have to stay in prayer because the, that's the only way this stuff is not going to blow up in in their faces. Mm, boy, the powers that be are the ones that are putting everybody at risk, and that's the scary part, ladies. That is really the scary part. All right. We, we talk about scary. Talk about scary. You know, the domestic violence issue um, is my, you know, focus. And, you know, there's a commercial. It was, you know, brought to me, and I had seen the commercial of, woman who looks like she's picking up something or, you know, cleaning up something off the floor, and there's this loud bang behind her, and she jumps, and they flash this, these words across the screen about domestic violence and blah, 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 about victims and things like that, and ultimately, the, the message is that domestic violence victims don't leave because they don't have a place to go that would not only take them, but their pet. And the first thing you would think of is, listen, flee for your life. Flee for your life. You know, you're the one in the imminent danger. And think about yourself and and get out of there. And I did some some little research last night because I I definitely wanted to address this because you know the person who brought it to me was was definitely um, disturbed by this particular um, thought process. And it's very easy to be disturbed by this thought process because, again, the the thought is get out of there. You know, I'm always talking about run for your life. And this is a very interesting dynamic because, you know, as a person who has done a lot of study on domestic violence, this is a huge issue for pet owners and pet lovers, and I wanted to just take a moment um, last night and just do a little bit of research and see what was, um, you know, what, what was 
what, what what did they have to say? You know, what was going on, you know, that we didn't know? Just take a little closer look. And it's very interesting what I ended up finding. So I, uh, Brother Al has joined us, so there's another uh, person on the panel. But I wanted to definitely start where they started. And they start off saying, there was a cat, a man at a shelter tells me, who was put in a microwave. The man was furious at his partner for leaving the house to run errands without his permission. Knowing she was half an hour away, he told her that if she did not return home within the next 10 minutes, he would put her beloved cat in the microwave. The feat was impossible, and the resulting punishment and distress, hard to imagine. So in other words, he went through with his threat that if she didn't get home, he knew she wasn't going to get home. And this is the kind of stuff that um, abusers do. You know, they put that challenge out there to their victims. You know, in this particular case, it was with the with the pet. But that's what they do. You know, that's how they, they put you and keep you in fear where they threaten you with things that they know you're not going to be able to fulfill with dire consequences. And in this particular case, the consequence was her, her cat, a microwave. So I wanted to start where writers started because it puts the, the reality in our faces. You know, so for us, for those of us who say, you know, why you just don't leave, um, because the imminent danger is is for you. Here's the firsthand account that the imminent danger is really not all the time human. It is the the uh, the, the the family pet. Oh, they they say, and I, I want to go here first. They say that. They have domestic violence shelters, but most of the shelters do not have accommodations for a pet. And they're saying that uh, approximately 65% of American households have pets. And only 7 Urban shelters across the United States are able to accommodate domestic violence victims who have pets. And they call it PAWS, Pet and Women Safety Act. They are now in Congress to pass the federal law that will open up more shelters that will accommodate the pets. Now, 
before we go any further with the panel, I want to give another instance here. They say, you know, so it's almost today we're doing, what is it, ripped from headlines? Because this is exactly what it is. They say, and this is a little lengthy, but I, I want to give, I want to paint the picture. I, I want to paint the picture. They say that there's a family who owned a beagle who is, um, or a buster. Andrea, 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 who is a beagle and blue-nosed pit bull mix, and they have also a, a little lizard, and the family, the woman and her two children, an adult child and a 14-year-old, they had to end up on the street because of domestic violence situation. And they ended up on the street after a while. They didn't immediately leave the home again because there was no place to take this dog and the lizard. And they ended up going to a family um, for a while, and they had some run-ins with the family over the animals. One of the, the dog ended up in the car. They put the dog in the car with a blanket and food and his bed, and this was winter, 45 days straight, they say, in the winter, this dog was left in the car, and the daughter visited him every day to actually walk him and, you know, kind of check on him. And it was very heartbreaking for her. They say later on she was given accommodation in a non-pet-friendly shelter, and that didn't go well. And she was smuggling him in and out of the shelter in a suitcase. So I I don't know how she was doing that, but this is, you know, this was a part of the family. And they could not do, you know, live without the dog. They said because, you know, the dog had saved her life, they say that the dog would also go through abuse in the home, right along with the family, because when he, the father would get angry, the father and husband would get angry, not only would he abuse the wife and the children, he would withhold food from the dog and sometimes even give the dog food that he knew was poisonous to the dog and would make the dog and Lord have mercy. This is what they all endured. So what they're saying is that not only did the humans endure the abuse, but so did the dog. Uh, and I'm, um, 
I'm going to stop there because I want to also take some time to talk about a couple of other scenarios. But I'll start with you, Tamika, um, when it comes to, you know, commenting on, you know, you, you ended up leaving the house. You had the dog in the car for, they say, 45 days straight. You had the the dog in the suitcase at one time smuggling the dog in and out the, the shelter in a suitcase. What, 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 what's your thought? You know, they had to flee the home, but yet the, the dog and the lizard were also a part of the family that they could not leave in the home. So initially, they didn't leave either. That's a a lot to grasp and handle. Um, the the fact that I'm going through this this major struggle, um, and the only friends that I have in this instance, because what what people don't realize, especially in domestic domestic violence cases, is that the perpetrator will isolate you. So friends and family. That, you know, are limited, if any, you know, they'll find a way to just make it so that it's you and that individual. And so now you have a pet who basically is your only friend, you know, and so you are putting this, you, you know, the ideal of harming my friend, the only thing that I have left, everybody else is gone, family is gone, friends are gone, any support system that I've had, you've made a disaster or a mockery of it to the point that I can't extend myself to them, and they won't extend themselves to me, or for whatever reason, their hands are tied, and they're not able to. So now you take my one and only friend, um, and you either berate me about it, you cause damage to my friend, or you end my friend's life. You know, that's really, really, you know, complicated. We're talking about almost, um, what do they call those? The service, they're not service animals. I can't think of what the name is. Um, when people have issues, they have emotional issues, and they have a support animal. You know, so basically this is what this yeah. is. This is my support animal. This is my friend. And, you know, I think that there should be facilities that are open specifically for people who have concerns like that. And there are a lot of shelters that will turn you away because you have a pet, and they don't want – and I understand that, you know, because as a homeowner, you, you don't want damages done by pets, and pets can cause – other damages that are that take a lot longer, you know, um, the, the smell in the home, you know, that type of thing. If you're not able to take care of the pet, so I think that there should be means like that. How to get it done? Not really quite sure, but there should be an avenue for that because you know you, you've gone through a damage, you've gone through enough damage by this individual, and now you're leaving to a place of solace, and hopefully you can have you know your best friend or your service animal to assist. Okay, okay. Um, I'm going to take this to Brother Al. You know, there would be some that would argue, well, a service animal is more than likely an animal when you don't have anyone else. So let's say for argument's sake, the scenario of you, the animal, and your abuser. 
So your your service animal, your animal could easily become a service animal because it's you and the animal against the abuser. But in this particular case that we just got finished talking about, this is a woman and her children. And, you know, the are the animals, service animals, you're talking about a dog, you're talking about a lizard, you know, do you flee even though is such a family? You, you, you need to be concerned about your two children. So are you now going to make the, the animals your children so now you keep your human children in harm's way so that your other two children can be um, safe, in a, uh, if for the lack of a better word. Brother Al, good, after, good morning. Good afternoon. Good morning. What's your thought here? Good afternoon to you, too. <laughs> Ooh. Um, you know, that, I, I'm, I'm been catching, catching some of it, and um, I know we speak about And that is luck. You know, like I say, so just say you got a family member, and they're being abused. They got nowhere to go. And then they say, you know, you say, okay, you can come stay with me. And then you find out they got a pet. Now, it may be a case where you're allergic to the, to the pet, or you just don't like pets. So that now that makes it hard, like, Okay, I can't leave this person in the street, and I they got a pet that they love. So it, it, it's it's a really hard situation where we may have to work. If I got a basement, okay, you know what? Okay, look, the pet got to stay in the basement, you know. But then if I don't have a basement, you know, and then what if the pet is aggressive? You know, I've seen that where people getting attacked by the dogs or the dogs are is aggressive or the cat is aggressive. So that's that's a really, really hard, you know, situation. But I would try to work something out because I wouldn't want to see them in the street. And they already going through enough trauma. You know, you're being abused and now I got this one thing I do love, but this kid, you know, this pet can't be with me or I feel it's getting mistreated because it's down in the basement tied up or it's in the car. Now I don't know about that car thing because we see what the car does to the kids. So as far as putting the animal in the car, that's I don't know. That, that, that's a really rough one right there. I wouldn't want to be in this shoes. Okay. Yeah, really tough situation. Ashanti, you know, um, here is a scenario where this is, you've heard of the, the cat in the microwave because abusers are just that hateful where they would take the only thing you love you with it. You know, it, it had to be traumatizing for you to already be abused and you have your cat, who is now your service animal, because it's only you and your cat against this abuser, and the abuser ends up putting your cat in the microwave and ensures that you meet this situation when it comes, when you come home, you're going to see this, the, the evidence in your microwave. You can't even eat out the microwave anymore. And you're adding in the story of the family who, you know, the dog is being abused as well. The dog is being starved 
It's just not being stopped. It's being poisoned. What goes through your head when you hear of this particular scenario taking place? Unfortunately, like it has been said, the abusers are sick and they will, whatever person, place, or thing they can strip you from, they can try to dangle in your face. You know, a lot of times they want to destroy said person, place, and thing right in front of the victims because they get joy out of seeing that you're being traumatized. You know, sometimes it's not enough of them just to hear that you're traumatized. They want to see your facial expressions. They want, like, that's how wicked 99.9% of the abusers are in, in these situations. And I'm listening to you know, the, the, the stories and, you know, listening to everything. And there's, one, there's a few different things going on in my head. And one of the things that just keeps reoccurring is, you know, the, are we choosing as the victim? What are we choosing? Are we choosing our safety? Are we choosing... Um, you know, unfortunately, a lot of the victims have children that they have to, you know, make sure that they protect. Um, and a lot of times you have a lot of victims, especially the women victims, who they will endure the abuse, especially the physical abuse, until it gets to the kids. And then that's their breaking point, you know, whether they retaliate or whether they just up and leave. And what what I'm hearing more of is now, you know, I, my my pet. Am, am I willing to endure this because my pet may not be welcomed at my safe haven? Whether my safe haven is a shelter that's designated for abuse victims or a, a family's house or a friend's house. And, you know, I I get the concept of, you know, the relationship that a lot of people have with their pets, especially if their pet has been with them during this, you know, during that time. But am I choosing this pet over the safe of the safety of myself and or my children? Because now my concern is more for the pet than for myself. And that's a bit concerning as to some, you know, on my end, at least I can't speak for anyone but myself. Someone, on my end that's hearing this you know they're going to be a lot you know we hear I, I've heard of of victims who thank God have made it you know to live to tell the story and one of the things that they'll say to current victims who are still in the situation is drop everything and leave don't try to go back almost like when there's a fire they say don't try to grab nothing leave leave the money Leave this, and when you have your out, you take your out, and you go. You don't look back. You don't. And is that what we're doing as as victims when now it comes to the the, the pets, where I may clearly have an out to where I can go. He or she may be sleeping, or they may not be at the house this time, or I may be at work, and instead of going back home, I may have a clear break. But if I got to go back home to get this dog or this this lizard or this, this rabbit or this cat, whatever, 
this may now interfere with the opportunity I have to make a clear break. And that's really concerning to me. Okay, okay. Well, speaking of some of the things you mentioned, Shanti, you have this woman, Hilda, and her cat, and she has a story as well, and she has a son, uh, a young son, and she and her son ended up escaping this particular abuse situation, abusive situation. She was abused as a child, and she ended up being abused as a young adult, and she ended up getting out of the relationship thank God and she she actually had an opportunity to leave and she ended up leaving the cat they did leave she left her cat and she said that she couldn't take the cat to her sister's house. And she felt really bad, and she, she would have, she would go back. She would go back to sneak and feed the cat and check on the cat even after she had left the home where she had fled from. He said for almost two months, she would go back and check on the cat and feed the cat. And she understood that it was dangerous, but she was like, what was she going to do? You know, that was her daughter. And she had fled with the son, but she felt like leaving the cat was like leaving her daughter behind. And this was just her reality. She was able to uh, eventually get into one of the homes that the shelters that did take children, I'm sorry, did take pets, and now she's, you know, she feels free. She feels free in doing so, you know, in in living in this new place with her son and her daughter. Tamika, what would you like to say about that one? Her going back periodically into the dangerous environment that she was allowed to escape from to feed the cat. That's, you know, um, 
just looking at that whole dynamic. So this individual, whether we recognize it or not, still has a hold on her um, in that, you know, you can't take the pet with you, but you can come back to feed, you know. However, each time that you put yourself back into that environment, you're taking steps back mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. You know, and my heart goes out to her, the, the type of concern that you would have had to go through. Because my thing is just feeding the cat and understanding that this is my baby that I'm leaving here. I've already left my, you know, my baby in your care. And now I'm coming back into this environment. There's most likely some type of fear, you know, and just trying to get to the building, the, the, the type of mental strain that she had to go through. I got to do this because my, you know, my baby still needs to be fed. So you still have a hold over me mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and trying to guard myself and, and get myself just to feed you. There are steps that, that are going through, that she's going through emotionally. And my heart goes out to her, you know, just to have to be able to do that. Um, I, I, I can't even, you know, there, there's so much control that this individual still has. You know, and we really have to, to pray for individuals who are going through any type of um, strain like that, whether it's a cat or whether it's an item that the person still has or, you know, um, you have a home that was in your name and, and you know, you got to keep going back and taking care of the property and all types of things, you know. You, we don't even think about it because most of the time, you know, it doesn't affect us, but it is something that we have to give um, some significant thought and concern. All right, all right. Brother Al, you know, what do you think? You know, you, you managed to get away with your, your your child. You were able to escape, and now you're gone. You're gone. And your abuser, your, your cat is still in the home with the abuser, and you actually sneak back to this dangerous environment to cat, to make sure this cat is fed, knowing that this could very well mean something really dangerous for you. What, what what's your thought? Again, that's uh um control. You know, this person said, Okay, I know what to do. We love this cat, cool. But the cat, you can leave, but the cat staying with me, knowing that the person is going to come back because they love that animal. They want to make sure that that animal is not being mistreated, making sure that the animal is being fed. So, you know, uh, that's another rough one. And fear, you know, fear, fear rules a lot of things. And, and um, again, that person's scared to death. But you know what? I, I'll take the abuse or I'll, go through whatever. I just want to make sure that the dog is good. And because, you know, he might have did it just by grabbing the dog. You can leave, but the dog stays with me. And you see how the dog getting all choked up. And it's like, wow, I got to go back on and, and, and check. And again, it's, it's, it's fear and it's control. And, you know, not just to uh, change the subject. I knew someone who was going through that where she was with this man and he really didn't want her. So he had four kids by him. And his mindset, it was like, the more kids I make this woman have, 
no other man going to want her. So I can run and do what I want to do because ain't nobody going to take up with four kids. And most men, they, you know, they talk to a woman and be like, oh, how you doing? Yeah, oh, I got four kids. Oh, really? You know, we're looking to go the other way. So that was his form of control over her that, hey, listen, I keep this woman pregnant and she, she ain't nobody else going to want her. So I'm good. I can do whatever I want. She always going to come back to me. And, you know, like I said, with this situation, it's the same thing. Like, okay, I, I'm going to have something over her, you know, I'm going to go all him. You know, I'm going to keep this animal, and, and you you want to make sure it's okay, you come back, but it's a, it's a done deal. So this is uh, crazy, man. It's definitely crazy. Mm, okay, okay. Shatisha, you brought up the scenario about going back, and here, you know, you, you think about a person you know, one of the one of the biggest issues that I don't know if a lot of people understand is a lot of, especially women, end up being murdered when they plan to leave. That that step right there is a time when they actually lose their life, and you've managed to escape. You've gotten free. You've gotten your child free but yet you have your pet and you're the one who brought up the scenario of going back. She's actually, she actually snuck back in the house. I don't know, you know, I guess she knew the pattern of the, you know, of the abuser so she was able to go back and feed the cat, make sure the cat was okay and then leave. And she's actually taking a a chance on going back in this house and getting caught. You know, so you just brought up the situation, but now we're hearing that this is real. What's your thought? This is... <laughs> there are so many different things that is wrong with this this situation. I can't say scenario, because as you said, Pastor Steph, these, this is happening, like, for real, for real, for real. Like, this, this is real stuff. And what you said is key. And I believe it highlights. And all I, I'm sitting here and I'm listening. And it's like, do we say, do we take that out that God has given us to go back? So here it is. I have an actual child that I have been blessed that my sister will allow me to, not only me, but my child. Because it's been brought up that pets aren't allowed anywhere. There's a lot of family and friends that don't want to take your kids or kid. So here it is. I have a family member that is not only welcoming me into their home, not only me, but my trauma, not only me and my trauma, but my child, not only me and my trauma, my child, but me, my trauma, my child, and my child's trauma into their home. Because I spontaneously saw an out. This wasn't planned, more than likely. But now I go back because I'm now putting this pet on the same level or higher, actually, than my child. So God forbid I go back to feed this cat and he kills me. What predicament have I left my sister and my child in where now even if my sister has to take care of my child for a couple of days, and she says, I can't do this. I'm turning the child over to the system. That's still a couple of days 
that I have put my sister in the predicament to have to deal with my child and my child's trauma. And I have helped to create trauma for my sister because I wanted to go back to feed my pet. And like Lady Tamika brought up, which I thought was a very, very powerful point, it, it, it's a lot more to do with just the pet because a lot of times, and we see and we hear, it's all about the mental and emotional breakaway as well. It's not only the physical. But the, we, we have to stop putting these pets on the same level as ourselves and our children. This is just like, when are we going to understand you know, we talk a lot about the abusers. Let's now talk to the abusees or the victim. I'm sorry, the victims. Let's so, so talk to the victims. You have to understand the blessing that God gives us. I have never been in a, a physical abusive relationship, but I've been in a mental and emotional and verbal one. And to go back to that is just as traumatic and crazy than to go back to a, a physical one. And when we have our outs, so now the, the, I have to go back to feed my daughter. No, what about your actual son? We have to really start those who have been through this and, and God has been able to sober you up. You have to make sure you take the time to devote to now help and assist the ones who are still in it and are in the transition of breaking away to understand what's really important and what really needs to happen. God forbid she call herself sneaking in, and he's sitting there waiting for her because as someone who has pet, Pastor Steph has had cats, I couldn't stand them cats. I couldn't say she would want me to feed them cats. I don't feel like feeding them cats. These are your cats. But because I'm around these cats as well, I can tell when she fed them. I can tell when she gave them fresh water. I can tell when they have been groomed. I didn't do it. I didn't see her do it, but I knew when she did. So now I'm seeing this, which lets me know as the abuser that you've been here. So now what if I'm just sitting here because I'm an abuser. I don't care nothing about quitting my job because you know what's more important than my job? Me killing you. So now I'm sitting here and I'm waiting for you to come back. Because if you came back to do this, you're going to come back to do it again. And you call yourself sneaking in again to do this, and I'm sitting here waiting for you. And this is the time that I kill you. We really have to allow God to sober our minds and think on a much higher you know, you know, level. And only God can break the victims out of that mindset. But for those who have been in this and have survived and understand that as God has brought you out, you have to dedicate yourself to assist in helping that because that is beyond dangerous. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, my D-Time crew members. And we pray you have a blessed day. Thank you so much for your um contribution into today's conversation. Uh, enjoy your day. Have a blessed day. Thank you. You do the Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I want to... Uh, for a comment, for the Lord, really briefly, Heavenly Father God, we come before you 
with very heavy hearts today as we have heard the plight of some of your people and God as the scenarios have been laid out and some powerful points have been made. God, we ask for the release um, of any mental, emotional, uh, physical abuse. We ask you to touch not only the heart of the abuser, but the heart of the victim. We ask you, dear Heavenly Father, to give clear thoughts to both sets to both individuals, dear Heavenly Father. We ask you, God, to even be with your with your precious animals, God, who are also very um, innocent in this situation. We pray for the children who are in this situation, God, and we thank you for all of those who you have released from this bondage. And again, we pray for the abuser, that whatever trauma they may have experienced, that they would be removed and relieved from this mental anguish that they're going through, that they are now um, putting on everyone else around them. We ask you, God, to just be with every situation, handle it according to your will. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Um, I didn't think it would hit me the way, um, It's affecting me as 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 a pet owner. No one understands your connection to your your pet. I've watched the pet slowly die. Um, I found a pet dead. Um, very traumatizing experience, both. Um, and I've had, I have had quite a few cats. As a person who has been through domestic abuse and violence, I can't imagine the anguish you feel when you've connected with that animal, but at the same time, you have to make the decision to run for your life because that's exactly what it is. You have to leave and flee for your life. And to think that I would put myself back in that situation of possibly being caught because what Shanti said is is reality. You know, don't think for one minute that that abuser didn't know that she was actually going back in that house and taking care of that cat. Don't think, because cats are, you know, imagine 
you have to remember, animals are very sensitive to their owner's emotions and illness. And I remember being ill and having a cat, and they are connected with you in a, in a, in a special way. And I can't even imagine that cat there without the owner and the fear that it was going through and what it was feeling because it's real. It's real. They have emotions. They have feelings and everything. But as an abuse victim, to think about going back and I have such an attachment to this animal that I would endanger myself is is a scary thought. Shantice brought up another very important aspect of this equation is the child that you, the, the the human child that you also endanger from afar. leave that child with a family member or with a friend, you know, and, and they're taking in, I think she connected so well with this situation verbally and everything that I, I thought about, she mentioned about how they're not just taking you in. When, when Brother Al said, you know, I'll take in the animal you know, if I have a basement, and it, it, it's a hard decision to make. And it is, because all of these um, beings are coming into your home damaged. The, the dog is damaged, and don't think that animals adjust that quickly to new environments, because if you are not an animal lover, you have a fear, you have an aversion to having animals around you, and and how do you know, they sense that also? Animals sense that, so they're coming out of a traumatized situation. Their owner is traumatized. The the children are traumatized. Traumatized. They're traumatized. The the, the people's home that you're coming to. They're tra- oh my god, this is such a mess. Everybody's going through this trauma. This is this is so hard to even digest, and it's not easy to say just leave the animal. It's not easy to say just run for your life because it's only your life. Because the animal is like your child, and to hear that you know I'm I'm trying to get home to keep from. From, from my animal being killed, but you're putting this animal in a in a uh, a microwave. This is, and you have to live with that for the rest of your life. This is this is a lot. This is a lot, and God God has to be in the equation to help the healing. Because to be healed from just the abuse for you is one thing. And then you think about your live human children and you think about your your pets. 
this is a lot to carry for one person. So my heart really goes out to those who endure this situation, and this is why my concern and, and my petition and my prayer is when the abuse first begins, get out. Get out. Get out. Because, see, when you get deep into this is when it gets to this degree of having to make decisions on do I leave the pet or do I do I go without my pet? Do I leave and now I have to go back to care for my pet? Leave. Believe when you, when you see it starting when you know even if you don't see it at the beginning where someone else would see it at the time when you stand because the longer you stay the harder it goes trust me when I tell you it is harder and harder they say it is harder to go on many different levels it is harder to go because that person has their grip on you just that extra day, that extra week, that extra month, that extra year. It is harder to go because there's an emotional, physical, and mental attachment, financial attachment. Go, go when it starts and this way. You don't have to make these decisions because as we can see, sometimes it's impossible to make that decision. And we cannot speak for, is it easy or is it hard? Speak for should you or shouldn't you? It's real. It is, and it is what it is. So take God out. Take his exit plan. Take the dog, the cat, the bird, the rabbit. children because there is always a way you can go. The Bible promises that to us. Get out. You've been listening to It's Due Time with Pastor Steph. Join us Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. where we discuss matters of the heart, mind, and spirit. As you go through your day, be sure to set your mind on things that are above not all things that are on the earth, they will only serve as a distraction. Remember, prayer changes things. It's Pastor Steph signing off, and I want to thank my due time crew for always coming through big time. Thank you for hanging out with us today. Please do not miss this opportunity to give Christ your life right now. Please do not miss this opportunity to strengthen your relationship with the Lord right now because later it's not promised to any of us. Until tomorrow, God spares, which Freestyle Friday. Until then, I love you.